0: Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. In previous episodes, I've shared my favorite books for teaching history, and many of you said that you appreciate those book reviews and would like more recommendations covering other subjects as well. So, today I'm sharing some great living books for teaching Bible. Now, the first one, I hope, is quite obvious The Bible. This should be your main living book for the whole family. Any other books you bring into Bible lessons should play a supporting role. The Bible should have the spotlight. Use whatever translation you prefer, but let your children have direct contact with God's Word as much as possible. Read a portion and have your children narrate it. That's what the majority of your Bible lessons should look like. Of course, Charlotte Mason realized that some portions of certain Bible narratives, mainly in the Old Testament, might not be appropriate for young children. She recommended that we omit those portions that are not suitable for children under the age of nine. Now, I interpret this unsuitable to mean those instances that are graphic or sexual in nature. Many of those can be skipped until the child is older. But sometimes, a certain event is important for continuity in the plot of the story. For example, how did Joseph end up in jail if you skipped the scene with Potiphar's wife? In those situations, you can reword the passage yourself, or—here's my favorite way to handle it—you can use a trusted retelling for that particular portion. I like to use the Child's Story Bible by Catherine Voss. Of all the children's story Bibles I have seen, this is the best one by far. It's very living in style, and it stays very true to Scripture, including many details and stories that most story Bibles omit. Catherine Voss also does a wonderful job of dealing in a tactful yet truthful way with passages that could be unsuitable for younger children. So you might keep this book on the side and use it as needed. Another supporting book that Charlotte Mason recommended using in Bible lessons is a children's commentary. Now, two things you need to remember about using a commentary. Number 1, it should be written for children. And number 2, it should be used after The children have narrated the Bible passage for themselves. Have the children read or listen to the Bible passage and narrate it first, then share with them any particular points from the commentary that you think would be interesting or helpful. The children's commentaries that I like to recommend is the Herein is Love series by Nancy E. Gans. Don't be misled. Though it is a children's commentary, I recommend it for the whole family. It contains wonderful, God-honoring insights that will teach and interest all ages. There are five commentaries in the series covering Genesis through Deuteronomy, and we have included three of those commentaries in our lesson plan book, Genesis through Deuteronomy and Ancient Egypt. We recommend using portions of the Exodus and Numbers commentaries to supplement the family Bible readings in those two books. Then, we assign the Leviticus commentary to the older students in grades 7–12 through to read and narrate independently. I'm sometimes asked why we didn't include the other two commentaries in our lesson plans. The answer is, while well, I'm sure the other two books are just as wonderful as the three that we specifically recommend, we just wanted to incorporate some variety during that year of studies, rather than having the same format for lessons all year long. For example, in the Genesis study, that focuses more on key people and events and character traits. So the Exodus and Numbers commentaries add some good insights to those Bible narratives emphasizing how God's dealings with Israel show His steadfast and perfect love. And the Leviticus commentary its fabulous. It's too easy to get bogged down in that book, isn't it, reading about all the details of the sacrifices and the jobs of the Levites in the tabernacle? But this commentary approaches those details topically. It explains the priest's responsibilities. The holy days that God instituted, the moral law, the civil law, funding for the Lord's work, and more. It's an excellent and God-honoring overview of a Bible book that is too often overlooked. In fact, you'll probably want to read it along with your older student because you will learn a lot. Now, I want to recommend three other books that supplement and support the Bible narrative I guess you could call them historical fiction because they include some speculation about details that the Bible accounts do not tell us. But these books are meticulously researched, and they help us make more personal connections with the people and events that we read about in Scripture. First is The True Story of Noah's Ark by Tom Dooley. The flowing narrative and beautifully detailed illustrations in this book make the account of Noah come to life. It even has a fold-out panorama picture of what the inside of the ark might have looked like. I recommend it for kids in grades 1st through 6th, although all ages are going to find it fascinating. Next is Adam and His Kin by Ruth Beechick. This book tackles the question how might the early history of the world, creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, have been passed down from Adam to Abram? It's a speculative yet intriguing narrative that portrays what daily life might have been like for the main Bible characters through Abram. I recommend it for grades 7 through 12 because I want my students to already have a firm grounding in what the Bible says about those first chapters of Genesis, so they can distinguish between what we are told and what this author is imagining. And then The Apostle, A Life of Paul by John Pollock. This book is a superbly crafted, extensively researched living narrative of the life of Paul. I recommend it for grades 10-12, through and for parents, too. It fills in those spaces between the intermittent glimpses of Paul's life that we see in Acts, painting a fuller picture, and along with it, teaching us a lot about Jewish culture, geography, and ancient Roman practices. Of course, some details must be speculative, but those are clearly labeled as such, and they don't detract from the power of this book. I guess you could say what Adam and his kin does for Genesis? The Apostle does for Acts and the Epistles. However, I've recommended this book for the upper grades because of some of the descriptions of sinful cities that Paul visited and preached in. Their sinful practices are not in any way sensationalized or presented inappropriately, but they are mentioned to give us a better idea of the culture in which he ministered. It's a fabulous living book. And while we're talking about Bible historical fiction, let me give you a bonus title. Hittite Warrior by Joanne Williamson. This fictional story is set in the time of the judges and it gives students an idea of how the different civilizations of the ancient Greeks, Hebrews, and Canaanites might have interacted. Uriah is the main character who escapes from the Greeks, hides with the Canaanites, and then ends up running to the hill country of Judea with a Hebrew named Jotham. There they find Deborah and Barak. Mustering the Hebrews to fight the Canaanites. It's recommended for grades 7 through 12. Now, if you want to clarify where these different books fit in our six year Bible plan, here's how it would break down. The Bible is used in all of the lesson plan guides. The daily reading plans will tell you which passages to read and have the children narrate on which days. The Genesis through Deuteronomy and Ancient Egypt guide includes the Child's Story Bible, as needed, the Herein is Love commentaries, the True Story of Noah's Ark, and Adam and his kin. That bonus title of Hittite warrior would fit with the Joshua through Malachi and Ancient Greece study, but remember that it is a bonus title. It's not written into those daily lesson plans in that guide. And the Apostle is included in the lesson plans for Matthew through Acts and Ancient Rome. I'll leave links to those three lesson plan guides in the show notes for you, as well as links to all of the living books that I've reviewed today. And we have other books that we recommend for teaching your older student how to do Bible study, such as Inductive study and character studies and topical studies and word studies. I'll cover those Bible study books in a separate episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also subscribe to the video version of this podcast or read the blog post on our website at simplycharlottemason.com. All of those links will be in the notes, along with links to any resources that I mentioned. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.